What's going on, everyone? Welcome to a fresh episode of Show Me the Crypto. On this episode, which, by the way, is on location at the Blockchain Futurist Conference, we spoke with Dean Skirka, who is the CEO of Wonderfy. Ulf, what were your thoughts on this conversation? Oh, speaking of Dean, was great. He's, um, he's CEO of Wonderfy, which, if you haven't heard of them, they recently, over the last uh, year or two, have been acquiring and merging, consolidating some of the biggest, biggest, uh, centralized exchange crypto brands in Canada and so to talk about that experience uh, where how he got to where he is and then dig into what this means for users of the platform and where the products going we also talked about regulation in Canada and it was just super interesting to hear someone from his side who's kind of in that uh, that side of crypto and to get those takes yeah, there was other topics we discussed as well, like the stablecoin on PayPal. We talked about the next bull market, the Bitcoin happening in 2024. You're definitely not going to want to miss this episode. Show me the crypto. <laughs> Show me the crypto. Show me the crypto. In a world on the brink of disruption, Two men will bring you clarity by interviewing some of the most intelligent and influential names in the blockchain world. Welcome to Show Me the Crypto with your hosts, Wade Patterson and Ulf Lonegren. Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Show Me the Crypto. We're here on location at the Blockchain Futurist Conference with Dean Skirka, CEO of WonderFi. Dean, welcome to Show Me the Crypto. Thank you for having me, I appreciate it. Yeah, and speaking of the conference, so we're on day two right now. How are you finding the conference overall? And considering we're in a bit of a bear market, what are some of the themes that you're hearing around the conference? Yeah. No, I think uh, the conference has been great so far. I think sentiment is better than expected. You know, I think people have you know, weathered the storm over the last year and a half through the bear market that we've all gone through. And you know, I think people are starting to see the other side. You start to see some of the positive signals in the market, you know, whether that's the XRP case with the SEC in the US or the BlackRock ETF that they filed you know, a few months back. You're starting to see positive signs. Obviously, the Bitcoin halving is coming up next year. I think people are starting to you know, see the other side and, and it's starting to feel a bit more optimistic about where things are heading. Yeah, it's definitely feeling like there's a, there's, there's optimism. People are feeling like the, there's good news coming around the corner and like the, the whole industry has been working through a lot of these challenges and we will get through to the other side soon. But before we get into all of that, uh, I do want to just ask a little bit about yourself. Get to know, uh, you know, Dean, how did you get into crypto? How did you find it in the beginning? And what led to where you are now as CEO of Wonderfy? Yeah, it's a great question. I took an early chance on a small company called Bitbuy back in January of 2018. I was one of the first four employees at the company. I joined as the head of finance. That quickly evolved into head of finance and compliance. Very early days, you know, working on some primitive basics like bank accounts, you know, stable and reliable banking partners that were aware of the business that we were engaged in. And, you know, from a compliance perspective, really thinking long term about the industry and our business, you know, putting in place the policies and procedures, the KYC AML policies and, you know, everything leading into where, you know, 2021, when we became licensed as the first marketplace through the OSC. And so, you know, all the while, you know, really watching the industry grow from 2018 to where it is today. Uh, fortunately, Bitbuy was sold to Wonderfy in March of 2022. That's where I joined the Wonderfy family. And six months later, I took over as interim CEO. 
And you know, from there, we've been really focused on you know, using this bear market as an opportunity to grow our business through acquisition. We acquired, as mentioned, Bitbuy in March of 2022. We then acquired Coinberry in July of 22, Blockchain Foundry in November of 22, and then more recently, uh, CoinSquare and CoinSmart acquisition that closed in July of 2023. So speaking of all those acquisitions, how do you see kind of consolidation impacting the industry moving forward? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, bear markets are a really good opportunity to focus on the business and grow the business in ways that may not be, you know, as obvious as some may think. And so for us, you know, being a consolidator was one of our core focuses, given our position as a public company in the Canadian market. And so we've used, you know, this you know, downturn in the market to our, our advantage by being in a position to acquire these companies and consolidate the industry to a point where we own four of the 10 regulated crypto trading platforms in Canada. We have uh, plans in place to migrate all of them inside the CoinSquare IROC dealer that is the first and only of its kind in Canada and really grow the business, you know, at that point and, um, sorry, through like different products and services. And we launched staking through BitBuy in November of last year. We've seen a tremendous response to that product. Longer term through our IROC entity, what we're looking to do would be products like margin and derivatives and potentially equities trading as well. What about from the the user side? Like, does this impact customers right now who have been on any of these platforms, or is that more of a thing that will just maybe play out over time as you then you know now now grow your product yeah. offering? It's a great question. We really see this as a net benefit to our users. You know, one example would be the Coinberry platform that was, <clears throat> excuse me, a one-dimensional brokerage for buying and selling cryptocurrencies, and. You know, in August of this year, we wound down that platform, migrated the users into BitBuy, where there is the brokerage model, there is a full stack exchange, the 24-hour, 24/7 order books, and um, full API capabilities, and an OTC desk as well. And in addition to that, there are staking services that are available to those users. And so that's an example of how through consolidation, we're actually able to provide a net better experience to our user base. Through this process as well, we're able to evaluate the components of the various platforms that work well and really focus on the end state, that one platform that we're going to live with going forward, and how do we optimize that, leveraging all the pieces that have worked well throughout the platforms that we know of. One of the major themes at this conference has been regulation in Canada and the state of regulation. How does it compare on the global scale when we talk about regulation in Canada? Yeah, it's a great question. I think Canada is one of the unique markets in this world, given that there is clear and in demonstrable regulation for crypto trading platforms. You know, dating back to 2021, when the Canadian Securities Administrator put these uh, guardrails in place, this framework to regulate crypto trading platforms, it really was one of the first of its kind. And, you know, you saw all types of feedback, you know, participants in the industry that, you know, were resistant and, you know, sort of stalled the process where they could. You know, platforms like BitBuy, CoinSquare, you know, really dove headfirst into opportunity, seeing the bigger picture, understanding that, you know, for this, industry to continue to grow, regulation is going to be that need to be a serious part of it. And you know, for us, we looked at it as an opportunity to be differentiated in this market, being regulatory focused, being regulated, and then through that, you know, leveraging those relationships and those licenses to continue to roll out further products and services. And so BitBuy was the first marketplace licensed by the OSC in December of 2021. You know, fast forward a year, we received similar licenses to offer staking services. And so that's a great example of not only how there is clear regulation in place in Canada, which far exceeds what exists in other jurisdictions, but the regulators also understand that this industry is not limited to buying and selling digital assets alone. And what's going to happen if there's no staking 
offering in Canada through a regulated environment, you know, Canadian residences are going to find opportunities to engage in this activity offshore. And that just puts significant risk on the Canadian participants that want to engage in these services and are being forced off offshore platforms. You look at platforms like Celsius and Voyager, you know, Canadians were forced to use those platforms because there was no similar products offered in Canada. And now what we're seeing is through the regulatory process in place, those things are starting to evolve, staking being the first example. This is a bit of a side note, but I'm curious about um, PayPal. They recently uh, launched their stablecoin, or announced it anyways. Um, but I'm curious, how does that affect you know a major brand like that, that primarily is Web2, coming into the Web3 space, where they have such a massive audience space who can tap into that? And how does that affect um, the regular... PayPal user going forward and does it affect other companies like Wonderfy and your approach to dealing with uh, your customers? It's a great question. You know, I think a company of that size with the user base that it has you know, globally validates the industry and the fact that they're going into stable coins really validates that as a you know, viable product long term. And you know, I think one of the big shoes to drop certainly in the U.S. is regulation around stablecoins. And you start to see companies like PayPal with the status that they have in those markets, you know, start to embrace this. You know, it's really hard to imagine they're doing that without thinking of the regulatory impacts. And so, you know, I think this is a positive <clears throat> for the industry, certainly in terms of awareness, but certainly in terms of, you know, the abilities of a company like PayPal and their size to influence regulation and uh, you know, really give comfort to regulators that this is something serious. You know, it's way different when, you know, an unknown like Tether comes through the door and wants to grow stable coins, you know, in the U.S. or abroad. But a company like PayPal comes with a lot more credibility. And, you know, you look at, you know, signals like that and you look at what BlackRock is doing by filing for a spot ETF. You know, these are big household names that hold a lot of weight in the financial industries, you know, in the U.S. and abroad. And, you know, this type of positive reinforcement and credibility will help the industry grow significantly. One of the things you mentioned earlier in the conversation, Dean, was the Bitcoin halvening, which is going to happen next year. Traditionally, we've kind of seen a bit of a bull market follow these halvening events. Do you have a theory on whether you think that will happen once again? And side note to that, if there is another bull market, what do you think will be kind of a major trend to look out for? It's a great question. You know, in terms of the halving itself, historically, it's brought in a lot of awareness and attention to the industry. And on the back of that, we've seen significant price appreciation. You know, I think compared to the last halving, you think about the low interest rate environment that we were in, certainly with COVID and all of the you know, effective money printing that was going on worldwide. You know, it was a much different environment than the one we're in today. And you know, it'd be hard pressed to sit here and say that all of those nuances won't have an impact on what plays out. You know, I still believe a significant part of whether or not the halving will be as impactful as it had been historically will be broader traditional markets. It's hard for me to envision a world where Bitcoin is, you know, going gangbusters when broader equity markets are stagnant or not where they need to be, you know, or rates are continuing to go up. And so I think a lot of it will, you know, in terms of the impact and how significant will determine you know, broader macro trends and, and um you know, I think generally, you know, you start to see the signals around halvings. You know, I don't think the BlackRock ETF, the timing of it is a coincidence at all. You know, the halving brings awareness. It draws people back into crypto. And, um, you know, I think through that, you can start to see people, you know, getting ready. And I think BlackRock is a good example of that. 
You mentioned BlackRock and the ETF filing a few times. I just wanted to get your take on that, on, on the filing, on the situation, uh, SEC and, and everything surrounding it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, I mean, you saw the reaction to the, you know, the filing of the application itself. Again, similar to PayPal, these are household names that have a lot of sway in global markets. And for them to, you know, embrace Bitcoin the way that they are, you know, I think it sends a really positive signal to the broader market. You talk about the, you know, the BlackRock ETF itself. I can certainly see a world where, you know, if that product is approved, you know, there's more than likely significant demand that BlackRock's already aware of, rather than you know, going through this process, hoping that there's a product on the other side of it, I have to imagine there's an expectation that the demand is there. And so I think about a world where that ETF gets approved and you start to see significant flow into that product, you know, fairly quickly, that's going to raise a lot of attention and awareness for Bitcoin more broadly. People are going to be looking at it. They're going to be talking about it. You'll see CNBC start to cover, you know, the BlackRock ETF and the flows that are coming in. You're going to see follow-on products from competitors. You're going to see follow-on products from BlackRock on the back of the success of that product. And, you know, I really just think from an awareness perspective, you know, those are the types of things that really help to legitimize the industry and create that credibility that will allow it to continue to grow. Dean, it's been an awesome conversation. We like to end every episode of Show Me the Crypto with the same three questions we ask every guest. A little segment we call You Had Me at Crypto. Ulf's going to ask you those. All right, Dean, you ready? I hope so. <laughs> All right, the first question, who's your favorite person to follow in the crypto space? I'll say Crypto Kobe. Nice, nice. That's a good one. All right. Uh, the second question, what will the price of Bitcoin be 10 years from now? Just for fun, no financial advice. We're going a decade out. 222,000 US. Uh, I like that too, too, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, third and final question, what is the most underrated project in all of crypto? Oh, that's a good question. I'll take this opportunity to do a shameless plug for a company that we own and operate called SmartPay. SmartPay is a B2B crypto to fiat payment processor that was part of the acquisition of CoinSmart. You know, we think uh, payments in crypto is a really underlooked and quickly emerging sector. One of the clear cases of real utility being driven in the crypto markets today. It's an area that can not only grow through difficult market conditions like we've seen through SmartPay, but also tap into the global market. And you think about parts of the world like Latin or Africa where payments are really critical uh, you know, in those markets, whether it's lack of trust in government or banking or volatility with local currencies, there's real need for this product today. And we think this is um, you know, a really exciting segment that we're excited to, to build out. Great answers. Dean, thank you so much for joining Ulf and I on this episode of Show Me the Crypto. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Show Me the Crypto. Please make sure to subscribe as well as rate and review this podcast.